E-Appliances and Air and Water Solutions is dedicated to serving the unique needs of the plumbing, heating, and ventilation and air conditioning industry. GE has launched a robust product portfolio that includes water heaters, water filtration, commercial HVAC, ductless, and ducted HVAC. The GE team is focused on putting the pros at the center of our business by delivering an iconic, trusted brand that is easy to sell, an innovation that makes installation easier, and dedicated to support that makes doing business simpler. At GE, we call this being pro-centric. To learn more and request information about GE, go to geappliancesairandwater.com. That's geappliancesairandwater.com. C.J. Toka is a proud father, amateur sightseer, anglophile, barrister, and occasional peruser of classic film, art, and literature. In his spare time, he's an Amazon best-selling author of the mystery thrillers The Vacant Seat and The Secret Air. His third book, The Lost Painting, is expected in late 2024. Welcome, C.J. Good afternoon, Mark Madison here. Back to on books and people. Today, I'm excited about our guest, Mr. C.J. Toka. How are you, sir? Uh, good uh, good afternoon, Mark. I'm great. Uh, thanks for having me on. Oh, you bet. So uh, where did you grow up? Where were you born? I'm, I'm originally uh, from New Jersey, uh, although I've lived in um, other states uh, uh, during my uh, academic uh, career, uh, academic um, career as, in college and graduate school. And I spend, also spend a lot of time in um, uh, the great state of Arizona. Um, so um, right now I'm in New Jersey. Okay. I don't hear much of an accent though. Uh, I'll tell you, when I went to uh, uh, undergraduate, I went to a Big Ten school uh, and uh, and then graduate school where I went to an SEC school. Uh, I always got my chops busted about my accent, but uh, <laughs> if you're saying I don't have an accent, I'll go with that. Right on. Yeah. Well, I'm a big Springsteen fan. So, and I have a client in New Jersey, so I've spent a lot of time there over the last 20 years. So I, I always appreciate the honesty that uh, the folks in New Jersey have. Uh, growing up, what were some fond memories of New Jersey? Um, I, I grew up in a very small town. I mean, New Jersey is an incredibly diverse state. Um, probably really is five should be five different states geographically because the state is just so different from top to bottom. Yes. Um, I grew up in a small town in northwestern uh, part of New Jersey. All of my extended family uh, lived in the, the town. Um, my grandparents were um, were immigrants, uh, and uh, next door to my grand parents were my great uncle and my great aunt down the street were my other great uncle and my great aunt and my um I had a lot of family all uh lived in the town a lot of folks were related um it was a great place to grow up um, um it, it was it was um it was a very good place to grow up I must say uh so my, my I'd say my fondest memory of New Jersey's growing up in a in a in a in a small in a small town 
uh, environment. Uh, probably not too different, frankly, from a small town environment in most other parts of the country. I mean, the town is about a one square mile uh, in size. Um, and now I live even in a, I, I live in a, in, in a much more even rural town um, uh, where uh, it's, a, it, it, it's very, very um, rural for New Jersey. So right. uh, th those are those are sort of my my best memories. Growing up in a small town, everybody kind of knew you. Everybody knew my family. I was very close to my family. It was always nice because you always had some place to go and some place someone to see. Right, uh, it was terrific. What did your parents do? My dad was a, a school administrator, and my mom um, was a. Um, a housewife, uh, for the lack of a better term, homemaker for a good portion of the, uh, when I, my youth. Then she went back to work and she was a product manager, uh, ultimately at a, at a few uh, of the large uh, corporations um, in New Jersey. But as I said, we grew up, I grew up in a small town and my dad didn't have far to go to work because he was a school administrator in my school district uh, that encompassed my town. But my mom, like like a lot of folks up here, uh, a lot of folks in New Jersey, frankly, um, had a long way to go to work. I mean, I, yeah, you know, yeah. she traveled 30 to 40 miles a day, as do I myself currently. You couldn't get away with anything, your dad being the administrator of the school. Oh, no. No, <laughs> no. No. Oh, no. I got, uh, he caught me cutting class once and I got detention. I, yeah. <laughs> this is going to hurt me worse than it's going to hurt you, son. Yeah, exactly. No, I was, uh, I couldn't get away with a thing. It was uh, a unique experience. Let's put it that way. So you went off to college, you got a bachelor's and you got a master's. When did you decide to become a writer? Well, I'll tell you something. Um, I, I, I had a great, I took a creative writing class in in college from a uh, a professor called William J. Stuckey, who who I will remember really I've remembered since I was in college. He's a great uh, professor on creative uh, creative writing, and it was like essentially the only class I took on creative writing, and I loved it. Um, and uh, since then, uh, you know, my my current career is I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lawyer by trade and I write a lot, um, but I've never really I never really got back into that creative writing mode. Um, and, you know, then my kids got older and I had more free time and I needed a release. So I started writing um, mm. uh, uh, and um, and I enjoy doing and I, I do it in my spare time. Um, and it's a release for me. Uh, so uh, I started, so the answer to the short answer to your question is I started enjoying it back in the 80s when I was at college. And um, I, unfortunately, all my writing, or fortunately, I really want to talk about it, has been, you know, work-related writing, but it's a lot of writing, until recently when I've dived, dove back into uh, creative writing, um, and fortunately, I remembered some of the some of the fundamentals and precepts that Professor Stuckey taught me back in um, 1983, give or take. 
So was John Grisham ever an attorney? You know what? I don't know whether he was an attorney. The I really have to say that I I have to imagine he was, but I don't know. I, I don't like reading legal related, uh, <laughs> legally related uh, uh, books. You're predicting my next question. Yeah, go ahead. I really can't stand it. I, and my wife, you know, my spouse watches these le legal programs and I'm I can't I walk out of the room I can't take it I, I there I, I I said you know how does uh how do they go from getting a client uh in the first five minutes of the show to through trial at the end of the show I I, I and I'm I, you know they can't I'm like they can't say that they can't do so yeah. I, I promise you know too much about the law yeah yeah I, so I eschew uh reading about uh, uh fiction about the law i i don't like watching tv programs or movies about the law i i don't know if i i may have seen one or two of john grisham's on the movies with my with my spouse but i and watched bits and pieces of other shows but right. i i really don't like watching them because it, it feels it, like it, work <laughs> it feels like work i'm like and you know what's wrong with the production oh yeah i'm picking yeah. it apart and you know one of the things i i endeavored to do when i did do when i did write my books which are not legally related although you some ask there are some aspects of legality to them is i wanted to make them as realistic and truthful to the world as possible rather than the stuff i mean i'm not critiquing john grisham's work because like i said i haven't read it because i don't like reading that type of thing but certainly the certainly the the movies and tv programs i see a lot a lot of them i'm not talking about grisham in particular i i i have issues with so i don't i didn't want people to say well i read toka's the vacancy and this isn't realistic and that doesn't make sense and that doesn't you know so right. i i i tried to be true and to make sure there that my book wasn't of Swiss cheese uh, that somebody could, uh, or a tunnel that somebody could drive a, a truck. through. So Stephen King said, you write about what you know and you write about what you love. Mm -hmm. uh, so you started writing fiction how long ago? Because you've written two books, yeah? Yes. Uh, the, both, the both books, uh, I would say I started writing them before COVID. So it was in the 2018 and you're right. I, I think that's you're right about what you know and you're right about what you love. And so I'm a pretty um, spiritual person um, and I enjoy that aspect of life um, and I enjoy worldly characters. So um, I kind of squished them all together. And uh, if, if, if squish is a, a term of art in the uh, writing industry, and came up with um, characters from a, a variety of backgrounds, um, none of whom are um, Americans, interestingly enough, but their travels and trials and tribulations do bring them to the United States, as well as all over uh, the world. So um, I, had, I, I had talked to some other writers and I said, you know, this is sort of what I'm doing. And they say, well, you know what? Do the research and imagine it in your mind and you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. uh, was, some, was an advice 
another author gave to me. And um, I mean, I have a, in my home office here, I have a plastic tub full of all the research from my first book, The Vacant Seat. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I enjoy history. I enjoy other cultures and, uh, uh, and countries. And I enjoy, um, um, you know, diverse characters and spirituality. So I did a lot of research on these things and coming up with the premises, the premises for both books. Um, and I also am a bit of an Anglophile and I enjoy English history and the UK. So consequently, one of my the main characters is is from the UK. A lot of the uh, or some of the events take place in the UK and Scotland. So um, I, I don't disagree with uh, King's premise. So I so you write fiction. What books inspired you? Did you read a lot of fiction before you started writing? I wrote. I read some fiction. Yes. Um, um, and I'll tell you. I mean, I think you one one of your questions was what you know was there any particular fiction that I read that right. in, in inspired me? You know, I, 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 the the best book. Um, well, there there are several books that I've read that I think are the best fiction I've ever read. And certainly, J.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings is a fantastic. Um, that I've read, uh, fiction series. Uh, I I think Tolkien paints a picture in with words, and you, by reading his his material, you you basically wake up and you're in his world. I, I found Tolkien to be fantastic. Um, the I would say the best fiction I've ever read, the best book I've ever read, and I still claim it to this day, is. Um, Boris Pasternak's Dr. Zhivago, uh -huh. uh, which uh, he won the Nobel Prize for Literature in 1958, which he was forced to renounce, which is frankly mentioned in um, in one of my two books. But I, I always thought Dr. Zhivago was one of the best books of the 20th century, certainly Tolkien's as well. I also... Um, enjoyed Solzhenitsyn's The Cancer Ward and The Gulag Archipelago, but more more recently and more popular uh, fiction, uh, I enjoy reading some of Janet Ivanovich's material. Um, uh, she's She's got some very good books. Another classic that I loved was The Razor's Edge by W. Somerset Maughan, uh, another great, great book. There are a lot of uh, there are a number of fiction books that really grasped me over the years. Um, I tend to gravitate towards, as as you could tell, so, some of the more um, classic um, authors. But the, hopefully that answers your question. Um, I, I'm not a big. I'm, I'm not a big. Uh, I don't like horror, the horror genre, so I haven't read Stephen King. I don't like the legal genre, so I haven't really read John Grisham. Grisham, but. I, I think you get a taste of this, this type of thing that that have motivated me. Sort of deep um, fiction with deep meaning, but I also like a good mystery, which is where Jan Ivanovich comes in. Um, and uh, so that I've kind of tried to 
weave those sort of themes into both of the books that I've written. Yeah, Chivago really touched me. I thought that was a tremendous book. Uh, of course, the movie was fabulous too, but never judge a book by its movie, right? No, but I mean, uh, the movie won, I don't know, maybe won four or five Academy Awards. Right. Um, it was a fantastic uh, film. So I I think, uh, you know, a lot of films don't do the don't do the book's credit. I'm not so sure I like the film version of The Razor's Edge, uh, but um, the Dr. Zhivago... Bill Murray was miscast. Yeah, he was. Really was, I think. They needed somebody else. I was yeah. expecting him to say something funny, and it's not a funny story, so... No, no. So your new book is The Vacant Seat. It says well, adventures, suspense, action, and plot twists. Tell us more. Yeah, so so the vacant seat is um, combines a lot of the things, a lot of the themes I was just talking about. Um, so you have, and I'll try to talk about it without being a terrible spoiler. But you you have um, this um, uh, neophyte um, uh, formal uh, model who wants to become a journalist. Uh, Stefania, um, uh, Stefania DiMaggio, who's half Brazilian, half Italian. Her parents are divorced and she was living with her mother and she wanted to make, make something of herself. So she, her father got her a job at this journal in Rome. And her, uh, her first assignment was um, some skullduggery uh, regarding uh, the the Vatican's attempt to resolve the First World War in 1918. But little does she know when she takes on this assignment, which we, she it, she does not like from the get-go. Um, and she's not a religious person. She's a borderline atheist, uh, perhaps agnostic, um, that this is going to plunge her into a, um, a story that she never really anticipated. Um, and in the process, she meets um, uh, uh, Thomas Houghton, who is uh, the 16th Duke of Radcliffe, um, a British peer, who's um, uh, uh, peculiar for, Brit for England. He's a Catholic and a practicing Catholic and a very religious Catholic who comes from a family of Catholics who were, who were what, what would be termed recusants since the time of the Reformation. Mm. They they acted as backdoor intermediaries between the Protestant um, government in England um, uh, with the Vatican over centuries. And Thomas is um, uh, his back is ridden by his grandmother, the Dowager Duchess, who wants him to continue this um, this family tradition. His parents are deceased. She's all he has. And Stefania and Thomas meet, and their initial um, their initial um, interaction isn't pleasant. And frankly, they they don't get on initially. But they both uh, she describes to Thomas what she's found in the Vatican secret archives. This is sort of a almost like a similar. It's been called similar to a Ron Brown type of uh, plot. And Thomas turns out Thomas's aunt 
worked in the Vatican during the 1970s and Stefania interviews her and this starts an incredible down them an incredible path um of uh uh of very very uh, uh, historical uh and strange intrigue and happenings i'm trying to do this without revealing the plot line right right and, and it comes to the attention of another of the characters svetlana grishenko who is the deputy director of the russian um uh uh external or international security service uh the successor to the kgb first directorate and she inherited basically a cold war file that she wants nothing to do with and um once thomas starts and stefania starts asking questions it starts getting back to Grushenko, and it the russians are in the process of trying to get sanctions lifted due to the Ukrainian war and the Vatican is acting as an intermediary and the Russians don't want any of this to come to light because it involves their activities during the Cold War. So you see this as becoming a movie eventually? Well, I would love it to become a movie. I think it'd be a great a story. A number of folks have told me that this was a, this, it's almost written like a screenplay. Right. It could easily be flipped. Um, well, you, you uh, won a finalist award in fiction, yeah? Yes, I won a finalist award uh, with, for reader's uh, favorite on um, on the vacancy, and the vacancy was an Amazon bestseller on Kindle as well. That's so great. So, um, so I'm sure there's some people listening, thinking, "Okay, I want to write some fiction. How do I go? How do I go about doing that?" So, talk a little bit about your process. And well, excuse my... me. <clears throat> and I will just say this. You know, I've written eight books, mostly personal development, nonfiction, but I write three pages or one hour, whichever comes first, when I begin and end a project. And I do that every day until it's done. Now, that's an oversimplified example of mine. Uh, tell me tell me yours. Okay. Mine is probably a lot different than a lot of other folks. First of all, I've been asked the question, similar question before, and I've always told folks, um, you know, you the one of the best ways to be in my view successful in life is to tr is to try to not imitate necessarily but learn through others so if as a lawyer for example i learn by watching other lawyers good ones right. and then i picked and choose the attributes of their practice that i thought made me made them successful lawyers and compiled them together and made me uh, uh, what I, molded my professionalism with regard to writing so first of all i would say for other folks read fiction see how it's done consult um others and their and get their input on what you've what you've done and like i said i i this professor i had uh 40 years ago really molded my and i remember a lot of what he told me how to how to write um second my process is probably somewhat different i mean i've heard people call it sort of a blitzkrieg process or i 
I know I know in the my mind where I know my mind where I want to go. I know how I want to get there. And because I have a basically a full-time job, I I think about it when I have spare time. So when I'm driving to and from work, I think about the plot. When I'm in uh, when I'm doing yard work, I think about the plot. Um, and maybe I jot down some notes. And then what I typically do on a Saturday or Sunday, I start writing where I left off. And um, and I let it go where it takes me. Um, and, um, and I know that sounds kind of strange. And I do research as I go along, or I do research up front, and, or I see things that I say, man, this is a good plot line. So one of the one of the um, uh, items in the vacant seat is the there are several prophecies that are mentioned in the book. One of them is the prophecy of St. Malachi. One is the Fatima prophecy. One is another one is no Nostradamus. And, um, you know, I'm aware of these things. And I said, boy, these would be great plot lines or subject plot lines in a book. Um, so they're included in in that book. And in my the book that I'm currently writing, which is called The Lost Painting, which is the third in the series. Uh, the first book is The Vacancy. The second book is The Secret Heir. And the third book is The Lost Painting. Um, I, I years ago i thought about this and i said you know that's a great plot line um and there's various it's 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 like a rope the 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 uh the lost painting there's three or four plot lines inter intertwined but that's my process it's not the most organized it's not the most effective but it works for me so when you're thinking somebody, about it all the time yeah exactly Right. right. And and the ideas come, I call them through the ether. But something else you said resonated with me. You, you basically said, uh, I let it go where it takes me. And I call that flow. When you're in that flow of writing, it something just happens and it just comes out of your head, through your fingers and onto the page. And when I'm in the flow like that, I can go five, six, seven pages. And the next thing I know, the chapter's done. And I, there's yeah. no other way to explain it other than flow, right? I, I experienced that playing basketball where I don't remember anything, but, you know, I had the best game of my life kind of thing. And that, that flow state is, is, is what I heard you say. Yeah, and sometimes you, you can't, you can't always get there every time you try, but when you do, it's magical because yeah. it just flows. Yeah. Yeah. You're in the zone. In the zone. That's the other phrase I was looking for. Exactly. Yeah. That's the sports analogy. Yeah. In the zone. Yeah. You experience yeah. that quite a bit when you're writing, don't you? Yeah. So like two or three weeks ago, I sat down on a Sunday and I started working on, uh, continue working on the book I'm working on. And I really made tons of progress. I I, I don't know, it might've been 10 or 15 pages. I went, I, I, I went through a whole section and I got it done. And you know, this past Sunday, I, I kind of reread it, rewrote it here and there, 
I probably added uh, maybe another another two or three pages, but two or three Sundays ago I was in the zone uh, and I was it was it was it was going like nobody's business. This past Sunday was more of a was sort of um, a lack of a better word uh, pot, uh, patching potholes and maybe um, extending the road a little bit. Um, it was a little more difficult, but um, yes, uh, sometimes a it's time. a slog. Sometimes it's a slog. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I, today I was reading an article and I saw a quote from Dante's Inferno. And I said, man, that's a great line. I think I'm going to use it in the book. I think I know where a perfect spot for it would be. Yeah. Uh, that type of thing. Or that that not necessarily the line, because I haven't researched yet whether I can quote it without getting into trouble. Um, but um, that thought uh, and um, all, all in the vacant seat, for example, you know, the character Thomas refers to, it refers to classic opera and uh, music that makes, that moves him. And I, I you know, uh, those little type of details I, I like. And the, every, you know, in everyday life, I might see something and I might say, you know, I'm going to use that. Yeah. Uh, for the second time, uh, I heard a quote in a in a film or a TV show that was from Shakespeare. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. And the first mm. time I wrote that in my journal, it was probably two years ago. Well, I heard it again just recently. And so I, I looked it up and it said, basically, after seeing a ghost, Hamlet suggests the human imagination is limited. And there are few things that have been discovered in fact that anyone really knows and that's such a great quote and i haven't found a, a place to put that quote yet but i will because i carry my journal with me everywhere i go and when those kinds of ideas interrupt me i capture them and it sounds yeah. like you do the same thing you think well wow, that's a great quote i'll find a way to use that later oh yeah absolutely absolutely so another example is so in in the vacant seat there is a quote uh, or a or a paraphrasation of Dorothy Day, who was a, if you don't know who she is, she's a, a sort of a modern day or 20th century Catholic um, spiritualist and philosopher who's deceased. And um, I, I saw this article on her and I read, read, about, read about it and I said, you know, this is a fantastic, this is a fantastic quote and it would be something that the thomas character would would feel a feel um akin to yes um yes. so yeah yeah that's fun so i'm going to diverge here for a minute and ask you what i call my fun questions sure rapid fire you ready yeah uh when you're flying on an airplane window or aisle aisle yeah <laughs> me too uh would you rather live in a teepee or an igloo TP. Why? Uh, because I uh, I think that uh, it would be less more comfortable yeah. <laughs> than living yeah. in an igloo. Exactly. Fair enough. Uh, would you rather have a rewind button or a pause button on your life? Um, I think I would rather. That's a good question. I I really think maybe a pause button because. 
I've thought about, I've thought about the rewind button suggests you'd want, you want to redo. And I, while there are a few things in my life that I'd want to redo, um, it, I don't think, I don't think I, I would want, I think that that, that's tempting fate. I'd rather right, have a right. pause button. I understand. Would you rather have a nosy neighbor or a noisy neighbor? Nosy. <laughs> I'm the same. Your favorite sandwich. Now, before you answer the question, mm -hmm. I watched Warren Zevon being interviewed by David Letterman about three months before he died. And he mm -hmm. knew he was going to go. I mean, he knew he had cancer and he was riddled with it. And Mm -hmm. And Letterman asked him a question. They said, what advice would you offer somebody that knows that they're near the end? Or what advice would you offer anyone in general? And he mm -hmm. Warren said, enjoy every sandwich. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was so simple and so beautiful. And right. so now I ask people the question, what's your favorite sandwich? Well, my favorite sandwich is the kind of sandwich my dad would make me. And my dad would make me probably on a on a crusty Italian bread, some hot uh, supersato uh, with roasted peppers and uh, Parmesan cheese and maybe garlic and oil, something like that. That's, a, uh, that's what my dad would a, do. There's an Italian deli in New Jersey, in Ocean, New Jersey, called Nick's. Mm -hmm. They have a, a chicken parm sandwich that's to die for. Oh, I, I, if I'm ever down there, I'll go there. Nick Stelly in New Jersey. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. I so, so appreciate you making the time. Uh, the last question I would ask is this. I mean, well, two more questions. Uh, one, how does somebody go about getting one of your books uh, on your website or from Amazon? Which my my, they can go uh, to Amazon. They're both books are on Amazon. They're also in, on Barnes and Noble. My website www.cjtoka.com has a list of where all the books are, or, or, or you can link to where they are. They're also translated into Spanish. Um, so the vacant seat is available as El Asiento Vacante. The secret air is El Hereditero Segreto. That's um, And I should be coming out, the vacancy should be coming out in a uh, auto, audio book within the next um, month or so. Good um, for you. Uh, did you read it or did you hire somebody to do it? No, no, I had, uh, I had somebody. I had, I really wanted someone with an um, English accent, I thought, would bring the best, um, presence to the book There's someone so who talk had, like this come on yeah. love give us a kiss yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly come so, on well me mom was british so i came home okay. from england every other summer with an english accent so i i understand yeah so so it's going to be it's going to be an english uh speaking narrator yeah he's going to talk like this yes very proper lovely yes and uh last but not least closing comments uh final advice for aspiring writers um stick with it um i mean it's a very tough area and if that's really what you want to do um and it, to me it's a sideline but i've always wanted to do it and you're only on this earth 
so many years, right? Right. I mean, when you when you're on your deathbed, you're going to say you're going to, especially being in New Jersey, I'm going to say I'm going to want those three years I waited for the gas station attendant to pump my gas because we can't pump our own gas in New Jersey. Um, I'm going to want that time back. Well, yeah. you know, you're going to want your you're going to say what did I not do that I really wanted to do, and if you really right. wanted to write a book, do it, stick with it. Yeah, there are conferences, there are books you can read on writing a book. There are classes you can take. Just just stick with it and do it. Yeah. Um, that's my advice. I don't know. You're an author. What, what would your advice be? Well, I love the Hemingway quote, and I actually put this in the new book I'm just finishing up. It's entitled When I'm Old. And it's based on a poem I wrote last January. And I started reading the poem when I at my speaking events, and I had people come up asking me for copies. So I knew I was on to something. Right. So anyway, the, the, the quote is from Ernest Hemingway, because there's one chapter where I profile him. He had a little sign on his desk that said, write as well as I can every single day and finish what I start. And yeah. I thought, man, is there better writing advice than that? I don't think so. From the master. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's 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 great advice. Sage. I, I know you're a busy guy between your law practice and your writing, but, you know, thank you so much for making the time to talk. I so appreciate, uh, you know, how busy you are. So thank you. And uh, this has been a treat for me. And if I have any law questions, I'll give you a call. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. And thank you for having me. It's been uh, been terrific. I love the conversation. Oh, thanks, CJ. You're uh, you're quite a guy, man. And uh, uh I suspect there's three or four more books in you before you go. So keep writing, my friend. From your mouth to God's ears. Same right back at you. All right. Let me write that one down. Say that slowly. <laughs> I, said, I said from your mouth to God's ears. Got it. Thank you, sir. GE Appliances and Air and Water Solutions is dedicated to serving the unique needs of the plumbing, heating, and ventilation and air conditioning industry. GE has launched a robust product portfolio that includes water heaters, water filtration, commercial HVAC, ductless and ducted HVAC. The GE team is focused on putting the pros at the center of our business by delivering an iconic, trusted brand that is easy to sell, an innovation that makes installation easier, and dedicated to support that makes doing business simpler. At GE, we call this being pro-centric. To learn more and request information about GE, Go to geappliancesairandwater.com. That's geappliancesairandwater.com. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454 or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books, simply go to my website, www.sparkingsuccess.net. And remember, make it a great day, unless you have other plans.